Last night when I was writing the preview, I, w- I kept calling it Millie Philly because your your dog's name is Millie and my dog's name is Philly. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna. I'm calling it now that for for now, like Millie Millie, <laughs> Millie, Millie Philly, Philly. <laughs> Millie Philly. So do you like Millie Philly or do you like Malathot? There were these two racing dudes named Aaron and Jared who had advice on racing and they wanted to share it. Started a website where players go to see all their picks. The goal was make the fans some money and to cut down the risk. They put the plan into motion and at first it seemed silly. Make a website where the expert picks are freer than Willie. From a racetrack better into just a beginner. There's one place that you want to go to find you a winner. As a matter of fact, I want to hit the exacta. There's only one site that you'll keep coming back to. So next time that the horses all line up at the post. Make sure you use the website that'll win you the most. Whether Churchill, Oakland, Goldstream Park, Saratoga, and all tracks in between, there's only one side to go to. When it comes to your racing needs and all of your bets, plus it's got a catchy name that no one ever forgets. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads, racingdudes.com for all of your bets, racingdudes.com as good as it gets. What is up? I'm Jared Welch. He's Aaron Alterman. This is Blinkers Off. What's up, man? What is up, man? What's going on, everybody? Uh, tuning in live. Uh, good to see everybody again. Or I guess we're not seeing you, but good to uh, be back. Uh, uh, for we're glad a you could see night. us again. Uh, yeah, right. I don't know if anybody's happy about that, but it's good to be back. Another Thursday night. We're kind of back in our normal. Uh, time slot. I'm, I'm much more sober for this show than I was last <laughs> week, so uh, it's going to be a good show. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. How many white claws you got uh, hanging out there on your on your table there? Now I've got. I had uh, nine by the end of the show <laughs> last week. Yeah, um, what people don't know is he kept texting and kept drinking as the night went on. We recorded mm-hmm. fairly early on that day, if you remember. So yeah, I don't know yeah. what the final count was, but uh, you got your white claw. Turkey on? I don't know what you call that. Yeah, it was. Uh, we killed some claws. There's no <laughs> doubt about it that night. But uh, no, sober tonight, so that's good. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe people would prefer that I'd start drinking. I got a few in there if you want me to start. But uh, <laughs> I wish you. I'm would. staying away from it overall. I, I, I felt I mean, like I should probably not. So <laughs> I'm just drinking coffee tonight. I needed the, needed the energy. Yeah. Uh, it's cold. It's nasty. We had there you go. We had a little yep. snowish stuff this morning. So. Uh, welcome to December, but yeah, welcome to everybody that's joining us live right now on Facebook, YouTube, and uh, Twitter, uh, Periscope slash Twitter. If you, uh, you know, if you, if you're listening live, thank you, and ask your questions as we go along. We're going to talk Cigar Mile, we're going to talk some of, uh, the racing that we had, uh, or we have this weekend as well. Uh, big show coming up, and again, if you're listening to this after the fact, tune in for, tune in on Thursdays. Uh, we usually try to shoot for the Thursday evening time slot about right now, 6 o'clock central, um, it's about what time we shoot for on Thursdays to do these lives. So just subscribe to any of our social media channels and you'll get alerted when we uh, are do- doing these live. But uh, did you have a good Thanksgiving? And uh, what do you think of the Thanksgiving racing? I, uh, I like the racing. The racing, uh, I thought, was very good. Thanksgiving, I mean, I- I'd stayed at home. Uh, all-, all my family had COVID or we were afraid they were going to give us COVID. So we didn't <laughs> go uh, to anywhere. So we had a Cracker Barrel for Thanksgiving. How so was that it? was a lot of fun. I, you know what? It was pretty good, <laughs> honestly. We kind of, it was like, oh, four or five in the evening. We kind of looked at each other after, you know, we'd ate Cracker Barrel and just kind of hung out and said, yeah, I'm just, well, maybe we should just try to do this every year. This is pretty nice. So. <laughs> it's like, it's like, who are we trying to impress here? You know, like it, it's good food and I mean, no mess and not to deal with the family shits. Like, whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we called in Cracker Barrel at like 12.30, and it was ready at 1, and they brought it right to the to that car. We didn't have to get out, and we're back home. It's like, damn, not bad. Not bad at all. So, uh, yeah, no, mine was great, dude. How about you? It was good. It was good. Uh, we, you know, we, kind of different from you, I've had it. My whole family's had it, my immediate family. So, uh, we all went to my my parents' house, and, and just, just a handful of my sister and her family and me and uh, and my parents and the kids and stuff, and we just hung out, hung out all day and, uh, and ate a lot of food, and it was good. It was, it was, it was perfect because you didn't have all the family, so it was just like you got the, just the right amount of family, and uh, you didn't really have to worry about the COVID stuff because, we've, like I said, we've all had it. Um, so, no, it was good. Um, it was a little weird, the football side of things, I felt like, this year. It just didn't have the same – first of all, the, the, the game sucked, and then uh, second of all, just it just doesn't – I don't, you know, I don't, a mixture of COVID and, and the, obviously the, the night game got canceled, um, probably for good reason because it was awful when it was yesterday uh, as well. But uh, no, I mean, it was just it's just kind of a weird from that standpoint. But the racing was awesome. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll jump right into my best thing I saw because I wanted to mention sure. her on, on, on and she ran over the weekend's travel column. I mean, mm-hmm. this, this filly, you know, we talked about her uh, last week on the show. I made her my pick. Uh, in the race, and I thought, you know, she's gonna, she's, she, this is her chance to rebound. Big time purchase, a lot of hype, um, and travel calm, just unbelievable in the golden rod. Just got the worst of trips. I mean, just, I mean, this horse may have been a hundred links, uh, the best in this race, and just did everything to basically lose the race. It had bad trip, bad start. I mean, just everything, and she was just loaded. And, and obviously, Brad Cox pretty much can't do anything wrong at this moment. <laughs> and uh, yeah. travel calm, obviously, big time purchase, big time ownership. But you know the the, the everything's there, the breeding's there. So she feels like to me one of those Oaks horses, um, and we have some Oaks horses running this weekend as well. We'll t- you know that that are going to be I feel like going to be big time prospects. But right now she's on the top of my list. Yeah, and she finished faster than Keep Me in Mind, who won the boys' uh, version of that race. So uh, that, that's another you know positive, and really. Uh, the whole race, I thought, oh boy, Jared is going to be so mad at, <laughs> at this race because the, his horse that he picked is so much the best, but there's no way she's going to win. And she just, man, finally found a hole really late in the ball game and just zoomed by everybody like they were standing still. And by the way, this was a horse that likes to be towards the front. And because of the break that you mentioned, uh, was way towards the back. That was not the plan, you know. And then, and like you said, not only are you way towards the back, but, you know, we got that horse into so much trouble the entire way around. So, yeah, it was it was great to see. Uh, and then the other Cox horse, Inspector Frost, uh, in, in the Kentucky Jockey Club, he was just an idiot the whole time. Like, he's he was sitting in a pretty good spot, and I thought, well, Jared might get them both here, but he just wouldn't relax and calm down at all and just had nothing left. Uh, and then, you know, keep me in mind, gets up and, and beats Smiley Sabotka there at, the, there at the end. But, you know, I, I, I'm i glad that I picked keep me in mind, but that really wasn't a performance like the, like you got with Travel Column where you're excited. It's just like, well, we hit the bet, but that, that's not a great horse. I feel, like, I feel like that race at least gave us a very clear-cut measuring stick you know like you know it was it was there wasn't a lot of excuses keep me in mind he's been running some pretty good races seconds and you know underneath these good horses and then he did what he was supposed to do which was beat lesser competition and he did it the what he was so you know what i mean like it, it felt like it was it showed us more about who he's been facing than it did about it that race in particular 
Well, he's he's going to be a horse, in my opinion, that's going to hit the board in a lot of derby preps. Uh, you know, seconds, thirds, coming on late, really never threatening to win the race, but getting enough points. I would not be shocked at all if Keep Me In Mind's in the Kentucky Derby, just because I just think, you know, he's going to run in a lot of races. Uh, he's going to drop back to last, and he's just going to pass the tired horses. So he's going to be a valuable horse, I think, in our fantasy league, because I do think he's yeah. going to rack up points. but. He's not a serious contender unless he improves by a lot. Um, but he's a solid horse, and I think that's all you could really say about him. We're travel column, it's like, yeah, she might win the Kentucky Oaks. Or right. <laughs> keep me in mind, it's like he's not going to win the Derby, you know? <laughs> yeah, but the, you know, the, the issue is, and we've seen it before with these, these Cox horses, you know, you know this, they, this, this early, can he get that horse to the Kentucky Oaks? Yeah, it's a, it can be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge for sure uh, it, it, with any, not just Cox, but anybody, you know, anybody. And that's, that's the trick, right? So we'll see what happens. All right. So what's the best thing you, uh, you kind of teased it before oh. we hopped on air and, uh, and obviously I could have said, I, I did everyone a favor. I could have said Mahomes and, and yeah. beating and beating Brady in the Bucks and what felt like it should have been a blowout and it felt like a blowout the entire game yet they almost lost. I could have talked about Mahomes and how he's just the most unbelievable, and then him and Tyreek just, I mean, Tyreek, I feel like they could have set the re- receiving record that day. You had Tyreek on your fantasy team, and we were watching it together, and yeah. you could not be happier. Yeah. Um, had over, like, what do you have, like 200 yards in the first quarter? Yes. Uh, yeah. It was just yeah. insane. I mean, the, the, it's a cheat code what these guys are doing. So I could talk about that, but I didn't. So I want to hear what the best thing you saw uh, Dude, today was. I've got four. I've oh. got four. Okay. I was gonna okay. I was gonna mention three, but here's here's another one, and I don't know if you used our picks today to hit the, the pick five, the late pick five at Aqueduct, uh, but we hit the late pick five at Aqueduct with the premium products, so that's awesome. I don't know if you used ours or you used your own, but it's great. We hit it. There that was go. awesome. So there's one. The second thing, also horse rated related, and, and this is where 2020 is get, is getting wild. It went off the hook this week for me. Okay. Out of nowhere, three things happened in my life. Number one, Gulfstream Park is running races on time. <laughs> Out of nowhere, of course, they've eliminated post-time drive. Of course, 2020, right? Like, is that what it is? Like, we <laughs> can we not keep, like, can we not have one thing normal in 2020? It was like an hour before the race, and Jason Blewett was the first one to tweet. He goes, we are starting promptly at 11.35. And I said, yeah, effing right. Such a liar. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it starts coming in. We're running it on time. We're running on time. Uh, they, they, they were running like a scroll underneath uh, the, the race on the on the simulcast that said, we are starting on time. I don't know if it stays, but that's pretty awesome, right? So I was, I was very <laughs> pumped about that, uh, as was everybody else. It'll be interesting to see their handle numbers. If they de- decrease, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna do it again where they drag the post out. Well, we'll see what happens. So that was exciting. Third thing... Like half the defensive uh, coaching staff at OU has COVID. So guess who is coaching this week at OU? (laughs) Bob Stoops, who is the legendary coach of Oklahoma, retired in 2016, is back on the sideline this week because he has to be. He has to coach because OU doesn't have any defensive coaches. (laughs) Well, they might might actually stop somebody with him on the sideline. (laughs) I wouldn't bet on it, but still, it's like that's crazy. So what I'm, would top that though, right? Uh, what would uh, top it, Jared? It would. I don't know. I mean, uh, all right. I, I've told everybody in a, in a prior life, my first website that I actually ran was a wrestling website, right? 
So everybody knows I'm into wrestling or used to be into wrestling. I've, I haven't in a long time. Last night, I'm scrolling through Twitter getting ready for bed, right? And Sting has tweeted a video of him. And I'm like, well, what in the hell is this? Sting is back. He came a 61-year-old Sting returned to wrestling last night. I turn on Sports Center. It's on Sports Center. I don't know why. Like they, I don't I didn't know wrestling got coverage on Sports Center. Sting is back. It's his new league. It's ADW. It's it's been around for So he actually wrestled? No, he didn't actually wrestle. Thank God. He's 61. Let's let's really hope he doesn't wrestle. But how cool is it that he's back? I mean, I was I, I went crazy. I immediately went to YouTube and watched the whole thing. Um, yeah, the lights went out like it used to back in WCW. Oh, they played the music. They played his music. He came out like he had the bat. He was like mysterious crow sting, you know. crazy man like the little kid in me will always love sting i'm, uh, I'm gonna totally watch that whenever we get oh, off here because I, was, I that was me too i had the mask yes um you know the little plastic mask you could wear yeah. uh i think i went to two or three slamberies yeah. uh uh the pay-per-views at the time um yeah yeah i'm with you i wasn't quite like you but man it was uh it, it, I honestly, I'll be honest with you guys. I did not know. I kind of thought I'd seen bits and pieces of Sting, like kind of periodically through on social media or whatever. Like I didn't know he was gone. Like I thought, well, yeah. How long has he been retired? So he's been gone for about four years, uh, or no, nah, maybe even more than that. It's been it's been four or five years. He he had a he had a real brief stint in the WWE. Basically, just there, hey, we're going to induct you in the Hall of Fame. Come wrestle for a couple of months. It was stupid. But he had been gone for a while, and what happened, his last match at WWE, he got hurt pretty bad. And they were like, well, that's it for you. I don't think you can wrestle again. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Well, yeah, I mean, he was 55 at that time. You know, now he's 61, he's back. I think AEW, uh, they have, like, Jim Ross is kind of in charge of it, I think. Uh, he's he's one of the announcers. Tony Schiavone, the old WCW announcer, is also there. So it, it's on TNT, which WCW was on. So it has kind of a WCW-like feel to it. Uh, first time Sting had been on TNT since 2001 when he wow. wrestled Ric Flair on the last ever Monday Nitro match. So uh, <laughs> just an amazing, like, I guarantee you, Jared, it will get you going. Just seeing, I don't know, it was just, if you were a fan of Sting, it'll get you going. It was, it was cool. I remember Sting, I can remember going to the Shrine Mosque in 1991 when Sting had bleach blonde hair and the colorful uh, face paint. To watch him wrestle. I also went to the Shrine Mosque when he was the crow and watched him wrestle. So it was great. I I, I totally geeked out for like 30 minutes last night watching all the YouTube clips of it. I tell you what, my two favorite intros, I think, of wrestlers were were Sting, obviously. Mm -hmm. And 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 oddly enough, he just retired Undertaker. Yes. Uh yep. you know, he I, I saw I saw that he retired finally. <laughs> um, but his intro when he would come out was just unbelievable yep. too. Um, and he was just a legend, kind of a similar character in a sense to, to Sting, just kind of a dark figure. But no, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy that it, it's a <laughs> it'd be amazing to, to like almost say like I, like Cohen could almost watch Sting <laughs> at the same age I was when I was watching Sting. <laughs> well, 
you think that's about pretty unreal. you think about how big of a legend the guy is to, to span that long and still like the crowd there was only like you know a thousand people in the state in the in the arena because they're all spread out covid protocols or whatever but those people were going nuts you know and it's like he's still that over it's crazy but he's a legend yeah undertaker was great i also love the ultimate warrior uh his mm. his entrance because he just flew as fast as he could down to the ring and went crazy um but yeah undertaker oh, yeah. the first the first time i ever saw undertaker i was very little and uh, I was scared. I like I scared you, yeah. Yeah, I was legitimately <laughs> scared of Undertaker for a long time. So, uh, did, yeah, it's uh, Michael Myers asked, my, "Did you like the biker version of Undertaker?" No, that's not the Undertaker. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's like two different people. But, um, yeah, exactly. No, my favorite is when it either character, but mostly it would be Sting. It'd be like they, you know, it'd be like all, you know, um, believe it or not, it's fake. And whenever they were <laughs> like, they would be. Different people would be in the ring, and all of a sudden the lights would go out, and the yeah. music would start playing. You're just like, and they'd all like, oh shit! Like, and then when he like randomly appear in rafters, and he came down from the rafters once, yeah. and just, I mean, it was almost like a new era uh, for wrestling when he was when he evolved into the crow, like you said, because he they just let him do whatever the hell he wanted to in terms of um, kind of coming from different places, and he had the bat, the black bat, yeah. um, just just really cool. So, what did you think when he? When, not to make this a whole podcast about wrestling, but the Wolfpack. When you went Wolfpack, what'd you think? Yeah, I, I didn't hate it. Uh, it was it was a babyface, you know, stable, so it, it, it was okay. I, I didn't... I don't know. It allowed him to be more of like... He had the red face paints, and he had the long hair, but he was more like his old self as far as like in the 90s, early 90s, when he was flamboyant and on the mic a lot and stuff like that. He remember The Crow... Version. They didn't talk. He didn't talk, yeah. and he, you know, so you know, I think it helped him be more of his old character without having to do the crew top at like forty five. And the <laughs> so, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I, I think a guy like him, he doesn't need to be part of a stable. He's on his own, you know. Like he's a superstar. Don't put him in with like Kevin Nash. Like I always hated Kevin Nash. I think he's yeah. way overrated, but uh, that's another. Well, again, we we could go in for you know late nineties, want... early two thousand wrestling forever. Well, you know we have uh, we have sports on the site, and we uh, yeah. we're we're going to definitely be evolving that in twenty twenty one. Maybe we need to add wrestling to the mix, and, and just you know we can just uh, you can be in charge of the well, podcast. And <laughs> well, the great thing is if we if we add wrestling, you're not going to have to hire anybody. Because I I have, I'm an experienced wrestling writer, so. <laughs> wow, you have that on your resume. I um, do. I you know what's oddly enough is I feel like wrestling gets more of a like actual sport than like on ESPN or what like yeah. the mainstream sports media than horse racing does. So mm-hmm. uh, we we would fit right in in terms of of having sports on the site. So um, I wanted to touch on this real quick, Michael. My, I, I I thought this was funny because it's like yeah. yeah. How many people were like, oh, I got, I got time. And then they miss it and like, oh shit. And then what's going to even piss you off more is when you start putting your bets on time, or you think on time, and then you have the, the drag again. And it's, I feel like they're just, especially when you have the, the, the rainbow days or the, you know, the, the, uh, the payouts where you have these, they're going to milk it, obviously. There's mm-hmm. no way they don't. I think they're, they're, they're messing with you, Michael. Listen, I Michael, I would have missed it because I had my alarm set to go off about eleven forty one. 
because post time's 11.35 and they'll run at 11.42. I haven't figured out what they're doing, you know? It's seven to 10 minutes. It starts seven minutes and then it's 10 minutes by the end of the card. They, they always stretch it out. So I happen to turn it on. Just I'm going to be real honest because I thought Acacia would be on the preview show for the first race. <laughs> that's the only reason well, I sure. turned it on about well, 15 sure. minutes yeah. before. And then if they were running that across the screen of, hey, we're starting on time. And that's the only reason I didn't miss it. So you not you, you, you but you did miss Acacia. Well, Acacia's in quarantine. I found that out later because I, I went. <laughs> I, well, she wasn't on. And I thought, is she not coming back? Like, is she going to stay up at Naira and do the shows or whatever? And I went on, and she's in, she has to be in quarantine. I guess she's been in New York, and now she's down in Florida, so they can't just like throw her in. So, well, she'll be on the pro- next week. Good to know where your priorities are. Yeah. you know, tuning in for yeah. uh, Acacia. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to today's show. We're gonna preview the two hundred fifty thousand cigar mile handicap from Aqueduct, then give rapid fire selections for the other major stakes races running at Aqueduct and Los Alamitos, including Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks prep races. Let's go. All right, the main event on Saturday, race 10 at Aqueduct. The Cigar Mile Handicap is a grade one with 250K this year. It's a handicap for three-year-olds and up, going one mile, field to nine. Lines up for this one. Seven to five on the one performer, your morning line favorite. Five to two on Friends Fires, nine to two on King Guillermo. That's right, King Guillermo is back, baby. <laughs> uh, I'm sure the fans are pumped about this. Uh, pardon me once, King Guillermo just romp, just to, the, just to piss them off. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's the field, field of nine, and those are really your main contenders. But Performer finally gets a crack at grade one company. So what you think? Well, I, I, I'll make it real quick with him. I went with him on top. I, I've been waiting and waiting for the day that this horse gets a chance to prove himself against, you know, grade one competition. I didn't say top-notch competition because this certainly is not. But it is grade one competition, at least by the label. So I, I went with him on top. I'm excited to watch him run. I do think it's a little bit trickier uh, though, than what I thought it would be. He draws the rail. I don't love that for him. Um, and, you know, he does have to face a f- number four Frenze Fire, who's very classy. Uh, I don't necessarily think a mile is his best game, um, but he is a he is a class racehorse. I mean, you can't hit the board and win as many races as, uh, as Frenze Fire has without, you know, being a challenge here. So he's in pretty good form. He was third last time out at the Breeders' Cup Sprint. So, you know, listen, they're the two favorites, but I think they're the two most logical winners uh, of this race. So I started, I'll I'll start off and just say, number one performer, uh, I'm excited for him. Uh, Yeah, I I think it's, it's, you know, this horse is coming in. He he lost on debut. It's kind of a weird horse, right? He's four years old and we've only seen him six times. He's won five of them. He lost his debut uh, back in November, two years ago, you know, two years ago. And this horse is going to be running for only the seventh time uh ran in november then was off until june and then it came back and rattled off was undefeated uh in 2019 and then we haven't seen this horse until he came back last year or or last month i'm sorry in october and he wins again rosario's ridden this horse every time this horse has won Mm -hmm. rosario's back to ride so it's very odd kind of an odd horse in a sense that he's dominating but we haven't he's never really been a name that we kind of remember because he's just always gone right um, but he's, he, he certainly has got the ability. I mean, shit, look at the way this horse is, you know, he's, he's beaten good horses in the past. I mean, he's beaten your favorite horse tax, 
um, in the discovery. You know, that's his only his graded uh, his only graded stakes win, which is happened to be uh, his career high buyer of one hundred two. Listen, he likes the distance. He likes Aqueduct. I do. I agree. The the rail maybe adds a little bit of um, pause at seven to five, especially. But and I agree with you. I think Friends Fire. Like, you can't discount that horse, even though it's he maybe isn't quite the same horse as he was with service. He's still really damn classy. And if he wins, you'll be pissed. So I, to me, you got to play him. And then I think you have to play, uh, in my opinion, you have to play King Guillermo because he very well could be maybe the best horse in the race. Like he's another one. We just don't know. I mean, I haven't seen him since the Arkansas Derby where he finished second to Nadal, who was very, very good, obviously. Um, you know, he won the Tampa Bay Derby. This is just a weird horse, right? One that we just, you know... He he went he finished second he wins Tampa Bay Derby, then they hold him off all the way until the Arkansas Derby, and we just don't see him again, you know. And so it's a very odd horse. Obviously, the horse has issues, uh, so you kind of have that play that factor. But when he was running, he was really good, and so uh, I think those are the three that you have to play. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on King Guillermo a little bit as well. Uh, I I think they actually got a huge break. They are not going to think that because they missed running in the Kentucky Derby, but I don't think that would have been great to come off that big of a layoff and run a mile and a quarter against the best horses in his division. I think that would have been really tough. Now you're going a mile, a one-turn mile, off of a layoff, so I think that's much easier than a mile and a quarter. And he he just catches a field that's not that great. You know, he, he might simply be more talented than the rest of these horses. So I'm with you. I think you have to play him. I'm not going to be shocked at all if he comes up and wins this race. Uh, also, Jose Ortiz jumps aboard. I, I think that that's a, just a, another great sign. You know, he's not going to jump aboard just anybody here. So I, right. I think, yeah. yeah, I think King Guillermo for sure. Uh, the other one that reluctantly I threw on the ticket was number five, Mr. Buff. I say reluctantly because every time he steps out against Graded Stakes Company, he gets his ass beat. But... <laughs> Our boy Magic kind of talked me into it because he said, "Hey, he's he's at a distance that he really likes, and this isn't this isn't the Whitney, you know, where it's it's it's, it's improbable and by my standards and times are tough, you know." He said, "This is a much easier Grade One for him. He said, this is really like a Grade Two or Three, so maybe he'll have better luck here." So yeah, I I, I said, "Okay, I'm going to throw him on as the fourth horse." Uh, He's awfully, awfully good against New York Reds. And when he faces New York Reds, he runs figures that can beat these horses in the race, you know, that he's facing here. It's just that when he goes up against Graded Stakes Company, he doesn't run that fast. So uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll throw him in there. I, I think he's worth a shot, especially if he's going to be 6-1 to one, to kind of spice some things up. Yeah, and I think um, for me, horses, that if I'm playing any tries and things of that nature, which... I mean, I wouldn't suggest because it could be very chalky. But if you are playing tries, I do think the Sisterson horses that Drew Timber and Bon Raison are are very doable. I mean, they they like this, they like Aqueduct and uh, kind of a just old time horses, you know, that run a lot of races and they are capable of hitting the board in this kind of race, like you say, because it's not. I mean, this is this little watered down cigar, yeah. right? You know, <laughs> uh, at best. But no, I think that's why I think performer is awful tough and. And there's a lot of these, the kind of the, the theme of this podcast, I felt like, as you and I talked about this earlier, is like, I feel like a lot of these races, it's like you can go one or two, three deep at most, but it's hard to kind of get to a lot of these horses. And, we, and we've mentioned this before, when you have these races like this and these, these days where the, the, maybe it's lower caliber, caliber 
type stakes races, it's hard to kind of get to a long uh, a long shot because mm-hmm. you're talking about a long shot in a very weak race. That that's that's tough, you know. That's tough to get there. So that's why I'm, I lean more towards on the performers um, in the Friends Fires and and of course the uh, King Guillermo's. Yeah, I think the the one horse you mentioned that I'll agree with you on the fifteen to one shot number eight True Timber. That's just a horse that's always around. He's always around. No matter if it's in an allowance race or a grade one, it just seems like he's there to hit the board at a big price. So I think he could do it here. Bon Razan, I'm not quite as high on. But, uh, yeah, True Timber, I could definitely see it happening. And I, yeah, Michael, you say single him in the third spot. I don't think that's a bad strategy because uh, he's just he does have that look as one of those one of those horses that can hit the board here. Play, uh, play the one uh one four six one four six and then single him in the third spot <laughs> yeah i mean i don't think it's a bad bet at all to do that I, yeah if you bet, play that for a dollar it costs you six bucks why there you go it's not that bad of a bet and, and if he comes in third and, and you know maybe king guillermo wins i mean you could you could get a hundred back there i think easy. yep um all right so what do you make of this race kind of overall? You know, obviously, it's a weird year. <laughs> make, make, make no mistake. And obviously, the Cigar is typically a pretty good race. But this year, I mean, we're more looking forward to what are these horses are going to do moving forward. Performer, obviously, one of those that you hope can stay healthy because we don't really know what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friends Fire, we kind of know who he is. And then, obviously, the other clear one is King Guillermo, you know, a horse that we saw very little of this year but showed a lot of promise. So, to me... King Guillermo and Performer, two horses that look to use this race as a springboard into a big 2021, right? No, you said it absolutely perfect. Uh, you, you know, ever since the Pegasus has, has arrived onto the scene here, the, the Cigar Mile and the Clark, we look to those to produce Pegasus starters. And that's what we're going to do here. And I think you hit it right on the head. Who are the two horses that could springboard from this race onto the Pegasus? Performer and King Guillermo. <laughs> absolutely. And you said it right. We know what Frenzy Fire is. He's not going to the Pegasus. You know, Mr. Buff, if he wins, he's not going to the Pegasus. It's Performer and King Guillermo. And they're also the two that could actually be really, really good. Right. Or the class may hit him in the face here. So, yeah, those are the two you're going to look at. And those are the two, if they, if one of those two win, you're going to kind of be excited. And you're going to kind of think, well, maybe we can use them in the Pegasus down the road. It's a, it's a, it's a good prep for those two if they want to try it. I tell you what, man, and, and you know this, but the Pegasus is is really shaping up to be a very yep. interesting race. Um, not just from a standpoint of you know if Monomoy goes there um, from a star power, but you you've got some you know <laughs> Mucho Gusto's been in training again. You know you got to yep. think that's where they're shooting for that one. Um, you, you've got a lot of horses that are kind of pointing to the Pegasus that it's going to add a very intriguing betting race. Absolutely, absolutely. Mucho Gusto, if they could get him back, I've heard he's going to run on the 26th of the December on that Malibu card, mm-hmm. and that'll springboard him to the Pegasus, like you like you said. Uh, I've heard Nick's Go is now it, it definitely thinking or definitely pointing towards the Pegasus, uh, and I think the results of the Clark, while they may have made us mad with our betting, it's going to be interesting when they when they slip, switch over to the Pegasus because. Bodie Express, all of a sudden, you have to take serious in the Pegasus, where he's one you could have thrown out. Code of Honor did not run terrible in that race, and Owendale ran pretty good, and you think he was probably going to show up. So, you know, if you get those three and we get a couple that run well here, Mucho Gusto, 
you're starting to get a really good, and then Nick's go, throw him in there. That's going to be a really tough race. So, yeah, a lot to be excited about, especially after it kind of fell off a little bit. You know, when, when, when Mucho Gusto and Higher Power are the two top betting choices in it last year, it wasn't great. But maybe we can kind of get back, you know, back into a really good Pegasus field this year. Yeah, shout out to Bodie Express, who yeah, uh, who ran race. awesome, um, like you said. And, uh, yeah, you know, if he, he goes to the Pegasus, he obviously loves Gulfstream Park, and, and you've got to take him serious now, you know. Yeah. he uh, Don't forget, you know, not long ago he finished second um, to, uh, was it Maximum Security? Uh, wasn't it Maximum Security, right, yeah. in, in Florida yeah. Derby? So, I mean, this is a horse that obviously, and then, of course, <laughs> He he's known for throwing his 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 jockey off uh, in the Preakness, but prior to that, um, he you know he's always been kind of a horse that's kind of we we talk about, and obviously finally wins a Grade One, and yeah, I mean he he's one that you know you kind of have to take serious, and just like we talked about here, uh, the winner of this race, you would think if it's one of these that we think is going to win, so your final pick is Performer, right? Yep, yep, Performer for me. All right, me too. We're both on number one, Performer. <laughs> Time for Rapid Fire, presented by the Inside Track to the 2020 Cigar Mile Wager Guide. Get this all-inclusive eight-page wagering guide to the 2020 Cigar Mile. This Saturday, Aqueduct features in-depth analysis of all four stakes on the card, including the 250K Cigar Mile Handicap that we just talked about, plus get bonus race-by-race analysis, betting suggestions, and multi-race plays for Aqueduct's entire Saturday card. So we just talked about the cigar. We're going to talk about the other three uh, stakes races. But if you want to know exactly how we're playing this card, how we're playing the multis, how we're playing each race, the tries, the exactos, the supers, whatever, go get the guide, racingdudes.com, on the products page. All right, let's kick things off with the Derby prep. How about race four on the program earlier on the card at Aqueduct? Race four, the Rims and Stakes, grade two with 150K for two-year-olds going one one-eighth miles. 10-4-2-1 uh, for your top four finishers. And it's... I say I, it's I say this every year and it never gets old. I don't know why we run a mile and eighth race as two-year-olds. We've got to fill the five, and this is the longest these horses will run until if they even make it that far to the final prep before the Kentucky Derby in April. Uh, but you, you're sitting here at eight to five on known agenda, two to one on ten for ten. It's only a field of five, like I said. Picking time is five to two, seven to two on Brooklyn Strong, and Irwan is fifteen to one. So really, besides Irwan, uh, Irwan, I should say. Four, four of those, these horses have legit shots. But my qu- two questions is, who you like? And two, do you think any of these horses are legit contenders moving forward? Yeah, let me start with the second question first. No, I really don't. And I, I don't even think these these horses, you know, are great for the next start they're going to run in, <laughs> let alone the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> I don't really like any of these horses. Uh, known, to gen- known agenda can certainly win this race. I'm not saying he can't. He's eight to five, and I really think this horse is a is a plotter, you know. Mm. I, and and a lot of times I would say, well, a plotter's not going to win a, a big time two year old race, but well, here a plotter could definitely win. So I don't blame anybody to play known agenda, probably uh, deserving eight to five. Um, and I went with a horse that got waxed last time out in the Nashua, but uh, I went with number five, ten for ten on top. Uh, two big reasons why. Uh, number one really looks like the lone speed to me this horse really looks like he's gonna get out in front by a ways like maybe two or three links and if he does and the horses that are behind him are just kind of meh as far as closing i think he could take him wire to wire and never look back especially if you get to thinking well you know first time these horses go a mile and an eighth they might be a little tired turning for home and if they are well the horse that's out ahead may just hold on by default 
So 10 for 10 for me as a pace play looks pretty good. Also, the horse gets uh, Jose Ortiz back. Not that it was Cancel's fault uh, last time out that the horse lost. But, you know, gets Cancel back. I think that's a big... Or, I'm sorry, gets Ortiz back. I think that's a big factor. And, you know, you also look... His two races around one turn, he lost. And his race around... Uh, well, no, actually, that's wrong. The mile and 16th was at Belmont. So this will be his first time around two turns. Yeah. Uh, but his race going a mile or longer, I'll say... Uh, he won, and he won really easily. And so I think he gets that same pace set up that he got in that maiden win, two back, and I think he'll just be tough to pass. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, it's this is fairly straightforward. I'm, I'm playing the two horses you mentioned, known agenda and 10 for 10. I, I think it's it's as simple as, you know, 10 for 10 goes to the lead, and no agenda is can that horse catch him. And that's really it's simple as that. No agenda is, is exactly a plotter. That's what he is. He's... Uh, Sired by Curlin, I mean, like the distance is no issue. I like the fact that he won last time out going this distance at Aqueduct as well. Uh, listen, and on debut, on his debut, which is only two races back, uh, you know, lost to Highly Motivated, who Highly Motivated has come back to one two races, uh, including the stakes race last time out with the 96 buyer at Keeneland uh, yeah. on the Breeders' Cup day. So, I mean, this is a horse that, like, he got beat by that horse, then this horse stretches out and is, is better. Um, and gets to like the 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 uh, the rider John Velasquez, and then of course saying Elias Stable, it's, it's Pletcher, it's Curlin, you know what I mean? Like this is at least has the potential of being a prospect towards the Kentucky Derby. Is it good enough? We'll see. I don't think so either. Um, his numbers don't suggest it, surely. But going this distance and this kind of race, like I think he's going to get there, and I think Ten for Ten and him are going to put it down the, on the uh, on the stretch here. Can he get by him? We'll find out. But I like playing these two horses movie i don't really don't think you need brooklyn strong to me the angle i'm playing against him is just because jose ortiz won with him last time out in a stakes race and he jumped over back to 10 for 10 um to me that tells you okay well he thinks at least that horse is better than brooklyn strong and i also like the pletcher so those are the two i'm playing so i'm on number two known agenda next up race six to go for one handicap it's a grade three it's 100 worth 100k a handicapper phillies and mares three-year-olds and up going one mile uh, it's a field of six that lines up for this one. Four to five on the other, another Todd Pletcher horse, Nona, Nona Madeline, uh, kind of cutting back a little bit. Uh, the one horse, three to two on Sharp Star, a very, very fast horse. And then you've got eight to one on a few other ones in here and a 12 to one. But really it comes down to, are you playing Pletcher and Johnny V again here? Or are you going to try to go with this kind of relatively unknown as far as trainer goes uh, compared to Pletcher? But you get Jose Ortiz and Sharp Star, who that last race, I mean, goodness, that last race was impressive. Yeah, it was, and that's why I am going to play Sharp Star for that reason. Also, uh, you know, both of her races at a mile have been pretty impressive wins. And uh, look, Jose Ortiz back aboard. I think that's a great sign. When him and uh, Hector DePaz uh, team up, they do very well. So Sharp Star for me, I'm not, I mean, I'm not real confident. I'm also not really excited for this race. Nona Madeline is the classiest source in, in this spot by, by a good margin. Uh, but, you know, I'm really not excited to play that horse at four to five. Certainly can can win and, and is one to use. And then I'll mention a long shot that I almost pulled the trigger with. Number two, Portal Creek at eight to one. Comes in from Parks for 10 Strike Racing. And 10 Strike can come up here sometimes and pull an upset in a stakes race. I put this as a must-use on a ticket as well. So Portal Creek at 8-1 to one, uh, has won uh, two in a row, three out of four 
definitely a step up in class. But if you're going to step up to stakes company, probably the field you want to catch here. This isn't much. So I think she's got a shot to pull a little bit of upset. But on, stop, on top, I'll go number three, Sharp Star. Yeah, that's where I ultimately landed too. I mean, I, I like uh, I like going to Madeline. I think uh, kind of cutting back back to the mile is um, is interesting for sure. But that last race for Sharp Star, winning by 15 out on the track. Uh, you know, loves Aqueduct, loves this distance two for two at the distance. Love the fact that you get Jose Ortiz back on board. Listen, I mean, I I, I agree with the, like my mind was like, oh, you know. You know, you got to almost expect a a little bit of a bounce, but even a little bit of a bounce, and the horse should still be able to win, um, just because the numbers are that much better. Now, you, the thing that does concern you a little bit is this horse was basically an average seventy to seventy-five uh, buyer horse, just very consistent, and then pops a one-on-one. So then it's like, what the <laughs> hell happened? So this is why I, I'm <laughs> well. Uh, the fact that Jose jumps back, jumps on board, gives me confidence that I can trust at least another performance here out of the horse. But I'm also going to back that up with the the Pletcher horse as well. I think I'm just going to play those two to be honest. But um, Sharp Star, I just that that performance was too good to go unnoted, uh, unnoticed. So I'm with you on number three, Sharp Star. All right, race nine, the Demoiselle Stakes, Grade Two with 150K for Phillies. Two year olds going one and one eighth miles. Again, it's the the Philly version of the race we just talked about earlier with the Rimson, and this is a Kentucky Oaks. Prep race, 10-4-2-1 for your top four finishers. And it's headlined by, guess what? Another Pletcher, number one, Malathot, uh, four to five favorite, Todd Pletcher, Johnny V. Could be a big day for them. This horse, this filly looks unbelievable, but she's going to have her hands full. Bill Mott's got one in here with Rosario back to ride with seven, on 7-2. Seven to two on, I knew I was going to mess this up. I, I practiced the name, Milfew, Milfew, uh, Milfuel, something like that. But that horse is very interesting to me. Uh, it, it's a Judmont horse. Uh, so to me, it looks like these two are the ones to beat in this race. What do you think? So just real quick on the three. Last night when I was writing the preview, I, I kept calling it Millie Philly because your your dog's <laughs> name is Millie and my dog's name is Philly. <laughs> That's what I'm going to... I'm calling it now that for, for now. Like Millie, Millie, <laughs> Millie Philly. <laughs> Millie Philly. So do you like Millie Philly or do you like Malathot? Uh, I like them both. I think they're the only two you have to use in this race. I really like both of them. I put Malathot on top, though. Uh, this might be one of the best fillies in the country uh, for her age, for a two-year-old. I, I think she's this primetime contender uh, yep. in, in, in that division. But I do think Millie Philly's up and coming and could be <laughs> could be tough uh, to, to beat. I think it's a showdown between those two. Malthot on top, uh, you know, bred to really get this distance, no problem. And how about, and I don't know if you noticed this, but how about her damn dreaming of Julia? Now, that was a really damn good two-year-old, if you remember mm. her. Uh, kind of makes me feel old that now she's got a baby uh, <laughs> of racing age. Uh, by oh, yeah. Curlin, I mean, this is kind of a, this is almost like a dream uh, you know, pairing for me as far as two horses that I really liked. So, yeah, really excited to see Malathot here. Uh, but yeah, Millie Philly, also a horse that uh, yeah, up and coming, really nice win last time out. Kind of the Bill Mott way, lost on debut, but looked really good. And usually that's kind of the story of a Bill Mott horse that turns out to be good. They lose the first race, but they, it's close. And then they come out next time out and dominate. And now we're right into a stakes. So that definitely fits the Bill Mott pattern. I think we've got a showdown here, but I put Malathot on top. 
Well, you talk about you know the, the, the breeding of Malathot. I mean, obviously, there's a reason why Shadwell, you know, you know, spent you know a million dollars on the horse. I mean, mm -hmm. this is a, this is like you say, this is probably at least potentially is one of the best fillies running in the country right now. Two year olds, um, and we're gonna see a few running uh, on Saturday. So I, I really think that's uh, between those two. I mean, how I many? What can you? I mean, you got a you got a Curlin and you got a uh, you got two Curlins. I'm sorry, and then you've got a Judmont Farm. And a, and a Shadwell going up, and then you got Bill Mott and Todd Pletcher. I mean, come on. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's and great. then both horses, both horses looked awesome in their last starts. I really liked Millie Philly. I'm 1000% sure that's not how you pronounce it, no. but I love it. Millie Philly, I loved how she ran last time out. She kind of looked bottled up a little bit, and mm -hmm. she, whenever it was time to run, Rosario just kind of took her out, and she just went down the lane and cruised. I mean, it was very professional. For only her second start and then mal thought the way he or the way she ran is just you know went to the lead and then whenever it came she kind of is a just kind of has that long stride she's a good looking horse um which is not not shocking considering like you say who she's bred by so listen i like both of them as well i think you don't need to play more than these two i think both these horses have very high potential as far as moving forward but i'm on with, i'm with you number one i'm sorry millie philly but i'm on mal and finally, the, the last race we're going to talk about on Rapid Fire, we're going to Los Alamitos. And that means it can't, if, you, if we're talking about Los Alamitos in December, you know we're talking about two-year-old racing. Race five, the Starlet Stakes. It's a grade one. It's worth 300K for Phillies, two-year-olds going one and one sixteenth miles. And it is another Kentucky Oaks prep race, 10-4-2-1. A field of five lines up for this one. We talked about some pretty high price, some pretty, you know, high potential Phillies running on Saturday. And this race has got a couple of them. Princess Noor, uh, who obviously was a favorite at the Breeders' Cup and faltered badly, even money favorite. So obviously thinking that she will rebound. Bob Baffert dominates this race, really dominates the Los Alamitos uh, <clears throat> winter meet. And then astute with Mandela, Mike Smith aboard, 7-5. to five. To me, another race where it's between these two horses. You might just play these two and move on. Or do you have a super strong opinion about one of them? Yeah, I'm with you. Play the two and move on. I don't have a super strong opinion about one of them, but I'm fairly confident in Astute to win this race. Uh, I think this is an up-and-coming filly that could be really, really good. And again, we're on the same theme uh, as, as the last race that we talked about. I think Astute is just this horse that just could be really talented. Hulkster's hilarious. Uh, so... <laughs> Oh, she'll be late. Yeah, Princess Noor, I think she will run better than she did at the Breeders' Cup. I'm, and, you know, this is a really, you know, I mean, there's nothing besides Astute and Princess Noor. But uh, I don't really want to be rooting for Princess Noor. So I'm going to go Astute on top. I think she gets the job done. I think this is this is one that we're going to be talking about for a while. I'm with you. You know, listen, help me. Let's 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 talk about this together, everybody. Princess Noor. Okay. Okay, let's 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 have a let's have a session here. Princess Cold Noor hands. is is just three blowout wins in a row going to the Breeders' Cup. We we identified her as being a vulnerable favorite at the Breeders' Cup. We were right about it. We picked the wrong horse, but we were right that she would falter. She did, but coming back, she ran a career high number. We knew the numbers were. We, we kind of wondered what the numbers were, how real they were, because she'd been running very consistently low buyer figures, but low speed figures going into the Breeders' Cup. She goes in the Breeders' Cup, looks awful, finishes fifth, beating four and a half. Never really a threat to win the race whatsoever. And she runs an 85 buyer. She increases her buyer, her buyer speed figures. She increases her speed figures, yet she's worse than she has been the whole year. So to me, that's a pretty big sign to say 
not only was the numbers that she was running, you know, that pretty consistent, like she must have ran better than she had been. She's just not as, I mean, she's not as good as Vanquish. She's not as good as Day of the Office. She's not as good as Girl Daddy. She's not as good as any of those horses uh, that be finished in front of her. I, I just don't, I mean, I, I I just don't think she was beating much. And, and then she got to that race and she became very vulnerable. I think she'll run better, but Astute to me is is much more talented. And it's just a matter of can she get the distance, and I think she will. Yeah, and I don't know. A mile and 16th might kind of be the top for her. Maybe she doesn't go any further than this, but I do think that's within her range a little bit. I don't have uh, – I can tell you uh, time form, uh, Astute got a 110, which is still better than the Breeders' Cup Juvenile for Princess Nord, which was a 107. What did Astute get buyer-wise? Uh, for her race last time out. In 88. 88, so that was better than, didn't you say 85? 85 is what the, she okay. received, uh, Princess Noor received, and then prior to that, she was running high 70s, uh, Princess Noor was. Okay, so I, yeah, I think by the numbers, uh, Astute looks, looks a little faster, and you're right, it's just going to depend on if she can get the distance. I think she can, I think she gets on the lead here. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm not, the problem is with Princess Noor, if she wins here, it's not like, oh, she's back. It's going to be more, to me, the narrative's going to be more like, well, Astute wasn't as good as we thought. Princess yeah. Nora well, went from, she might be the best horse in the crop, to she's kind of the barometer of how good you are all of a sudden. Because she got waxed with absolutely no excuse in the Breeders' Cup. And, yeah. And the fourth place finisher of that race came back to finish fourth last week in the golden rod so didn't look great no and that's an almost an indication to me that that race may have not even been that good to begin with like, so. exactly and with princess Noor, you know she increases her buyer seven points from the her previous the chandelier which she romped by eight and a quarter Increase, increases her numbers by seven points and gets blasted. And in her time form numbers, she gets she increases her numbers by 11 points. Mm -hmm. And from her, the, that blowout win and gets blasted. So to me, that's just a weird, like she ran her career best race and got blasted. And I think that's why I'm so, if it wasn't Bob Baffert, if it wasn't Tough Luck Bob, <laughs> I'd be like tossed her out. But I think, yeah. you, you know, just considering who she is and obviously what they thought of her. And I think you got to play her and Astute and just move on. You could see a situation where Astute runs a really good race and the distance kind of hits her right. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a little much for her. And, and Princess Nora is able to, just by class alone, is able to run her down. So that's why I think you have to play both of them. What do you think of these horses? Uh, I mean, obviously, if Astute goes and, and passes this test with flying colors and wins like she has been, or at least wins impressively over Princess Nora, um, you got to think, like, this, this is right up there with some of these top fillies we've seen right yeah especially in california if astute wins here you got to think well as a three-year-old she's probably gonna kind of look like beholder a little bit you know where she just goes and, and, and dominates that california scene so that's possible for her and, and yeah i mean i i i kind of i mean i'll be pretty disappointed if she loses to be honest because i really i think she's awfully good and i you know mandela he doesn't dick around like if he thought this horse couldn't get the distance he wouldn't enter her in the race. Uh, that's kind of my thing. It's like he wouldn't mess around and get her beat. He likes to win, you know? He's not, hey, we're going to take a shot here. I'm going to force this horse to the Oaks no matter what. That's not how he operates. So, uh, to me, if she loses, I think he'll be su uh, pretty surprised as well, the way he's talked about this, Philly. So, yeah, I mean, I, 
I kind of think she wins here, and we're talking about her just like we're talking about, you know, travel column and the winner of the race at Aqueduct. And, and so, you know, I think the Phillies are starting to look a lot deeper right now than than the boys. 100% agree with all that. So number four, uh, we're both on number four, Astute. So all the time we have checks out at racedudes.com for our free picks and our premium selections on our handicap products page with the products link at the main media racedudes.com to learn more. Remember to go check out that cigar uh, wager guide. We talked about the cigar and the, the car undercard. For, go get the plays, how we're playing that the entire day at the products page at racedudes.com. If you're a subscriber, you get that for free. Racedudes.com is your destination site for free horse racing picks. To all racing tracks. I kind of changed that up a little bit. You know, we, I always change the tracks. Like, this is just come to the website. We have free picks. We're on Twitter at Resources of Dudes, Instagram and Facebook. Listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, even the website at racedudes.com. Go check out the Magic Mike show. They did the Saturday late pick four at Gulfstream Park. It's Claiming Crown. So that's always a fun day. If you want, if, we, if, you, if you're mad that, we, you know, you and I didn't talk a little bit about uh, the Gulfstream Park card, we'll go check out the Magic Mike show and they talk all about the Gulfstream Park on Saturday. Uh, uh, any last, uh, any last thoughts on, uh, you know, what's going on in, uh, you know, your, your, your boys, uh, Baker and, uh, well, your Cardinals lost, but Baker and, and the Browns, man, that they're, uh, I, 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 what I would love nothing more. They play the Cleveland, I was going to ask a favor from you, actually a Christmas present. Okay. Um, they play the, uh, the Steelers last week of the, of the year. Mm-hmm. I really need a win there. I need because the Steelers. I feel like we're a little exposed yesterday. I don't know if they're as good as the record. I know they're not as good as the record indicates. I know I'm positive of that. They still are very good, um, but man, I think the Browns can beat them. And I, if they, if somehow we can get, if they can lose a game between there and the Chiefs can win out, I, I need that because this year with the playoffs, man, it's so messed up. I hate it. So if you're the two seed, you don't get that buy, and I want the buy. So I need, I need, I need you guys to, you know, do me a favor, win. Well, I, I think, I think the Browns can beat the Steelers. It, it, a lot is going to depend on what the Browns look like between now and that last game of the year. You got the Browns are eight and three. There's a lot of reasons for optimism, but at the same time, they're still the Browns, right? <laughs> so they play, they go, they go to Tennessee this week, and if they get beat forty to nothing. You never know. They might they might just tank and go down. So we'll see what happens. I, I definitely think the Browns are the type of team, though, that can beat the Steelers because I think they can stop them, and I think they can run the ball on them, and, and I think it, they can at least keep it close. When it comes right down to it, if the game is really, really important and the Steelers have to win, I think the Steelers will probably win. But I, I do think the Browns are better. Uh, listen, Cliff Kingsbury, one of the, he is the worst coach in the NFL. I'd rather have Adam Gase than, than Cliff Kingsbury. I have no <laughs> idea how this guy got an NFL job. This guy is one of the most overrated head coaches there, there has ever been, ever. It, look, look up his record and tell me how he's an NFL coach. He took over Texas Tech, a program that was in pretty decent shape. And he got fired there. And he got fired justifiably because he wasn't any good. And now he's coaching the Cardinals. I can't I can't believe it, man. He's and, and who is his quarterback? Now? 
No, Kyler Murray. Oh, whoa, Pat Mahomes was his quarterback at Texas Tech. Yeah. And he got fired. He had Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback, and he still got he fired. He couldn't win. They went like 8-5 with Pat Mahomes. I mean. Come on. I know. Yeah, I this guy I mean, is a I've joke. never seen a I, – I, 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 thank goodness I'm not a fan of Arizona because – He's it's, a joke. I, watching the game with you on, on Sunday, it was just like, what are you doing? Well, okay, they're driving down. It's 17-17. to 17. There's like four minutes left in the game. I look at you and I'll say, he'll get across the 50 and he'll play for a field goal. And you're like, no. It's like, yeah, he does it every fucking week. It's like yeah. every week we've got we've got Hopkins, we've got Murray, you know, we got all these, Kirk, uh, Kenyon Drake, Edmonds, we got all these good players. And when we get in the last part of the game, we try to kick a field goal and win. And it every week... They got every week Gonzalez misses a field goal at the end of the game. <laughs> every week. So yeah, just they, just try to score. What are you doing? He's there's awful. anything consistent about Arizona, it's it's blowing the lot into the they've always it, turned into the Browns in terms of ending a game. Oh, and the Patriots are terrible, but you can't they're very well coached, they're very disciplined. You can't go up there and mess around. If you do, you're gonna get beat. And and they did, and they got their ass beat. So that's Here's a good question. I think the Browns have a really good coach, but I, I, I you know, because I don't think the Browns are as good as the Cardinals. Uh, no, they aren't, but they do have the best running back duo in the league by far. Okay, the Browns do. They are very good. <laughs> I love those guys. There's not, I mean, I guess other than just King Henry by himself, there's not a better right. running back. <laughs> Henry is unbelievable. Um, that dude. Yeah. I mean, Mahomes is your is your MVP, you know, top guy, and Rodgers is right there. But man, Henry's got to be in the conversation too. That dude is yeah. a man child, um, and what yep. he does is not right. <laughs> um, no, uh, we had a good question come up here that's racing related. Uh, thoughts on Midnight Bizu uh, being bred to curl in that horse should go thirty seven and zero. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's this horse next year is going to be bred to Curlin. She just she, she showed up um, to Hillendale. I mean. You talk about Halterman and I getting jacked up about a horse. When that <laughs> yeah. when that baby comes out, it, the whole you know you're gonna be you're thinking Kentucky Derby, uh, your Breeders' Cup. If it's a you know if it's a girl, you're gonna be talking Oaks. You're gonna be talking whatever the big races are. That kind of breeding, Midnight Bizu. I mean shit, then I'm pumped for that. Yeah, it'll be cool. I'm I'm very excited. Hopefully, I'm alive when that horse runs. <laughs> <laughs> be three the way or four 20- years. <laughs> The way 2020 is going, you know, you never know. You may no. not. We none of us may make it to to, to, no. to see this horse run. So no, no. Um, here are your. I'm gonna back to football real quick. What mm-hmm. now that we are a couple of weeks out, um, a couple of weeks left, I should say, uh, in the in the season. You know, you and I at the beginning of the year, obviously the, the Cowboys pick was atrocious. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't help the fact that you know, I don't think any, you you or I thought Andy Dalton would be playing quarterback in December, but. Um, even with Dak, they blew a lot of games they should have won. So now we sit here. Who are your teams? Who you who you think in the NFC AFC? Are you still Chiefs? Oh, hundred percent. I'm still the Chiefs. I think they're the best team, and they're they're still my Super Bowl team. And by the way, just a quick disclaimer: I'm not a Chiefs fan. He is. I'm not. So I I am very <laughs> unbiased when it comes to them. But as as long as number fifteen is playing quarterback, they're the favorites. I mean, he's just that damn good. Um, boy, NFC is really interesting because uh, I think any of the seven teams that qualify for the playoffs have a shot. Because I don't think like 
Green Bay, New Orleans, they're the top two teams right now in the NFC. I really don't think either are that good. Like, if if Tampa played Green Bay and Tampa won, I don't think it'd be, like, just a huge upset. You know? Um, even if Arizona, if they were to win. Well, they don't have the coach. Never mind. Um, I, I think Seattle should be the team that represents the NFC right now. I mean, that would be the one I'd bank on. They have a way of losing games they shouldn't, though. But I think they're the most talented team. Yeah, I... The Saints, I feel like I, I, they, they, I don't know. I feel like the Saints, the, the Seahawks defense concerns me for the, for the playoffs. Yeah. I think the Rams, if they, I think the Rams could obviously make a, a run because they got the deep, like their defense is capable of playing lights out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if, when golf kind of gets hot and that offense kind of gets going, they, they can win games that they shouldn't. And so they're one of those teams, obviously they're second in the NFC uh, West behind the Seahawks, but to me they're one of those teams. Like Green Bay, I mean, I, I agree. The the NFC side, like AFC side, I feel like if it's not the Chiefs, it's not the Steelers. I mean, the Titans maybe. maybe. Um, I don't. I still don't believe in the Bills really for as far as a, a, a deep you know playoff team. If it's not one of those, I'd be kind of shocked. But when it comes to the NFC side, I think it's um, wide. I, the 49ers will make the playoffs. I don't. I don't know about that one Ron um yeah it's they I don't think they will but I think they're I think they're playing better let me ask you this let's let's say the Chiefs make the Super Bowl as a Chiefs fan who do you not want to see in the Super Bowl from the NFC um boy that's a good question I I have the right I have the right answer but I want to see if you get it right the team that I do not want to see, yep. well, it's it's close between the Packers and the Seahawks, but I think I would, I think I might go Seahawks, just because we could well, I mean, the game the, the game would be a hundred to hundred and one or something like that's how high scoring that game could be because neither team, mm-hmm. I just feel DK would absolutely destroy us, and if he doesn't, lock, I mean, we 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 don't have the guys to cover. Lockett and DK, and we certainly can't stop the run on a consistent basis. So, I, to me, the the Seahawks, but obviously Aaron Rodgers, and, and, and we couldn't stop him either. So, it'd be close between those two. I wouldn't want to face either one of them. Plus, you've got uh, great coaching with both teams, you know. So, I think you yeah. know that's another thing that you know that that would have our hands full. Yeah, what's what's no. the right answer? Well, I think Green Bay is the right answer because I think Aaron Rodgers would destroy the Chiefs. So I think they would be the toughest matchup for the Chiefs because to me, if you're gonna be the team that beats them, they're gonna have to score like crazy. Like that's why like the Titans last year, and you were all nervous they're getting ready to play the Titans. And this no, there's no way they can't score enough. They cannot score enough. And even San Francisco, like they, you know, San Francisco easily could have won that Super Bowl. But going in, I, I really wasn't worried for you because it's like they can't score enough. Green Bay would score a lot. I mean, I think they could match them. Uh, and Seattle could too. They're both good answers. I think it's one of those two. I think the Chiefs would stop New Orleans because the thing the Chiefs can do is get to the quarterback. So if it's Breeze back there, I think I think they could get to him. But when it's Wilson and Rodgers, they're mobile enough that I think they can buy some time, and that's bad news because the, the secondary, to me, is the weakness for the Chiefs. So yep, those are the it, two. Those are the two I'd be worried about. 
the Seahawks have scored 341 points this year, and the Green Bay has scored three or 349. So, yeah. I mean, they're both right there. The Chiefs, 348. So, yeah, as far as matching up, Green Bay, both those teams certainly can match up. Yeah. Defense a lot better on the Green on Green Bay than the Seahawks, obviously. Um, Green Bay, I think, the more like, just because of the defense side of things, too, Green Bay would be the team I would least like to, to face. Uh, yeah. But, man... From a, from a if I could if I can get my nervousness out of the way from a just a pure fan of the game Packers Chiefs boy that would be a fun Super Bowl to watch for sure I mean there would be some yeah. there would be it'd be a show put on um, as far as uh, that goes uh we'll see exactly why are there horse races being ran at one mile and seventy yards does it become a war of attrition in the final seventy yards it's the way that like some tracks. <laughs> Yeah, you know, some horses are only meant to run a mile, you know, so that last 70 yards, it really becomes uh, so, anyone's game. <laughs> serious answer is it's because of the way the tracks are configured. Uh, yeah. Best answer is yes, it's that 70 yards is a killer at the end, no, no question about it. <laughs> not many horses can go, a lot of horses can go a mile, not many can go a mile and 70 yards. Because so like the, the Breeders' Cup uh, dirt mile was actually ran at a mile and 70 because of the way Keeneland's set up. They can't run mile races, so. Yeah, but there's actually, fun fact, there was actually kind of a, a debate between that because it was listed everywhere as a mile because it's a dirt mile. Like and then I then like we got one thing from the Breeders' Cup saying mile and seventy yards and I thought well which one is it and there was kind of they actually had to go to the actual track and to the people would be like what is this race going to be ran at because we need to know and it was like you say it was a mile and seventy yards so mm-hmm. uh, Nick's go Nick's go Nick's go all right that wraps it up uh, thanks for everyone for tuning in I'm Jared Welch he's Aaron Alterman good luck this week. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. RacingDudes.com for all of your needs. RacingDudes.com for all of your leads. RacingDudes.com for all of your bets. RacingDudes.com as good as it gets. I think I know I'd kill, but I'd hate to do it. I would too, um, but I think I know. I think it's the same person. So. <laughs> <laughs>